0: Second Corinthians chapter number nine. We'll look at verse number one through 15 and focus in on three verses tonight. We'll read the entirety of the chapter, just 15 verses. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous, super, super well, I knew I was gonna mess that word up, for me to write unto you. For I know the for, forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia, which was ready a year ago, and with your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf. That is, as I said, you may be ready. lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say, not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Let every man, according as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. If we ever get a hold of that verse, if you ever get a hold of that portion of that verse, it'll change the way you give. For God is able to make all grace abound towards you, or towards you that ye always, having all sufficiency in just about everything, almost everything. No, he says in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad; He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers the seed, or minister seed to the sower. Both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us, through us thanksgiving to God. The administration of this service not only supplies the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experience of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them. And unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. How I many tonight will you try your best to explain how good salvation is? And you try to tell somebody, Boy, if you could just get it, <laughs> you know, you would understand. And then you just feel like you can't find the words to say, because that's how good it is, that's how wonderful it is. But I am sure am grateful for the unspeakable gift of God tonight that salvation that we get to enjoy. But let's pray. to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you, Lord, that you speak peace. Thank you, Lord, uh, God, that you defend us. You are our righteous judge. Lord, you are our righteous defender tonight. We ask you, Lord, this evening, God, one more time, would you take the word of God, apply it to our lives, help us to realize, Lord, the practical truth that is right here within your words this evening. Help us, Lord, to have a heart of giving. Help us, Lord, to be... Christians that aren't, aren't just focused on our Jerusalem, Lord, our our hometown, but, Lord, we are excited and willing to get involved in worldwide missions. And we ask you, Lord, this evening that you just uh, touch this, the remainder of the service tonight. Lord, thank you for working on our hearts this morning, and thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts tonight. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we go to a church, God, where your presence is felt, it's manifested, Lord, it's experienced. Lord, we thank you. Uh, Lord, that we don't just go to somewhere, Lord, where we go through the motions, we sing a couple songs, say a few nice things and go home and nothing changes. Well, Lord, I'm thankful tonight, Lord, to be a pastor of a church and to be a member of a church where the word of God is preached. And God, you take your word and apply it to everyday life. We ask you, Lord, this morning, you just continue to work in our church. God, we pray, Lord, for the needs of our, 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 our faith promise giving. God, for the missionaries that we support. God, we know, Lord, the money no doubt helps, but Lord, help us be faithful to pray for them as well. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We looked at the idea of faith promise giving this morning, and tonight I simply want to encourage you to keep giving, or I want to encourage you again on this idea of giving, one, to worldwide missions, but to give by faith and, and how there's some encouragements to do so. And here's what I found out being a pastor, being a father, being a friend, just being an average human being uh, is that, encouragement goes a lot further than ridicule or coercion or just making fun of someone. Now, there's some people, if you tell them you can't do that, you'll never be able to do that, it lights a fire in them, right? And they say, all right, I'll prove them wrong. Can I say, sometimes I'm that person, right? Just this past week and I was talking with my dad and was telling him about disc golf and, and all this kind of stuff, how we took the kids up there to see the Hall of Fame, and we had took them down to the tournament here in Augusta, and we were watching it, and my dad said, oh, you're still playing that. Something in me said, oh, I'm fixing to go win a world championship, Dad, to show you, yes, I'm still playing that. <laughs> but some people, you tell them you can't do it, it lights a fire under them. Some people, you tell them they can't do it, they agree with you, and they don't do it. And so we realize that, that sometimes coercion or sometimes ridicule may motivate somebody to do that, but here's the thing, you don't find that example in the Bible. You don't find putting somebody down and, 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 and pushing somebody down is how you lift them up and how you encourage them. In fact, Hebrews ten twenty four says, and let us consider one another, to provoke unto love and to good works. Can I say tonight encouragement goes a whole lot farther than ridicule does? And tonight, I I could come down and I could ridicule you and and coerce you if you're not giving and make you feel bad and and pull at your heartstrings and and, and put you into a corner and say, you have to give or you'll be a terrible Christian. Or we can look at the word of God and see there's great encouragement when it comes to giving. There's a great encouragement to give. There's a great encouragement because when you do give, there is rewards for it. There's blessings for it. There is a wonderful things that you get when you give and you invest in the work of God. And so tonight, just for a few minutes, I know the time tonight, and I've enjoyed the service, we're going to look at three truths that will encourage you to give tonight. Jordan said yes. He had four this morning. He only got three tonight. Amen. But notice number one, what are some encouragements to give found here in Second Corinthians chapter number nine? The first one is the reality of sowing and reaping. The reality of sowing and reaping, when I was in high school, I graduated eighth of my class, and I, was, since I wasn't the valedictorian since I wasn't the salutatorian. I didn't give the big fancy speeches that everybody you know, prepares for. I was eighth, and so they gave me the benediction. I didn't know what that was. Somebody asked me the other day if I was going to give an invocation. I thought they said inoculation. I don't think so. I believe everybody has a choice in whether they get inoculated or not, whether they get vaccinated or not. It's not what they were talking about. Invitation and inoculation are two completely different things. But I remember I was I, I stood before three hundred and sixty-two fellow classmates, families on top of that at the James Bound Arena, probably easily five thousand people, to give the benediction. What it was, it was a short speech to encourage my classmates to go live life. I don't know what I was supposed to do, but I had this idea and I had come up that I was gonna tell them the importance of sowing and reaping, I pulled out a few Bible verses and I wrote down my speech and I turned it into the the uh, council we we're supposed to turn it into. And I don't think they ever read it because when I stood up there, I went through my whole speech, read it, uh, <laughs> standing in front of the biggest crowd I ever stood in front of, right? and, I, and I'm not like I am tonight. I was scared to death, and I was just going reading upon line upon line and looking up every two seconds to make sure and, and I was trying my best and I read it word for word and I remember getting done and I I, I walked off from the podium and there was Miss McCray. she was a counselor in our high school and she said, bless your heart, that was so good. I sat down in my seat, well, I watched the video a few days later <laughs> and instead of speaking on the terms and the, the thought of sowing and reaping, I stood in front of all those thousands of people and said, you will sow what you reap. I did it backwards. <laughs> the whole speech, all three minutes of it, I told them, you need to make sure that you reap correctly so you sow correctly. I went after that and I thought, that big dummy. <laughs> and so can I say I've come a long way tonight. I know now that you will reap what you sow. And tonight, we got to look at the reality of sowing and reaping. And the first truth underneath that thought tonight is you will not reap what you don't sow. You will not reap what you don't sow. If you don't sow anything, you're a fool to think you're going to reap something. Right? You till up a garden, you work the soil and, and you put in the, the, the irrigation system and you do all of that and you get it ready. But if you don't put no seed down, we'd be foolish to think we're going to reap anything. So you, don't, you won't reap what you don't sow. You ready for the next truth? You will reap what you sow. <laughs> preacher, that's deep. I'm telling you tonight. Don't you love having a deep Preacher. What does that mean, preacher? That what you sow is what you reap. If you sow an apple seed and you take care of it and it grows up into a tree and it produces apples, you have reaped what you've sown. Now, here Paul makes this great statement. He said, now if you reap sparingly, or if you sow, I was about to mess it up, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. In essence, if you just put a few things down, you'll only reap just a few things. But if you sow bountifully, if you give everything you, you've got and you, and, you, and you do it with great purpose, you do it with great heart, then there's a great harvest that comes with that. So you, will, you won't reap what you don't sow. You will reap what you do sow. But notice this as well. If you do sow, you will always reap more than what you do sow. Explain that, preacher. Let me ask you, you've ever, who here has ever grown a garden? Who has ever planted squash? Amen? I don't know how you plant your squash, and we're not here to debate that tonight. You get to preach the next sermon, you can tell me how you plant squash. But we we make our rows, and we put a little hole in there, and, and the way Becky's daddy told me to do is you put three seeds in that hole, and then you cover it back up. And then you wait for those three things to grow, and then you pluck out two of them, and you leave one good plant. And so I've put three seeds in the ground, Really, I've left with one seed. It grows and it produces squash. Now, can I say tonight, that one seed doesn't produce just one squash, right? If you're like me, anytime I grow squash or zucchini, I grow more than what I know what to do with, right? I've got it coming out everywhere and it's taking over the garden. It's all over the place. And so we see tonight that when you and I sow, And we sow faithfully because of the work of God and the promises of God, you and I will reap more than what we sow. Think about it this way. Let's say you share the gospel with somebody, right? On the job site, you share the gospel. They get saved by the grace of God. They join the church. They get baptized. And then they are discipled and they become a soul winner themselves and then they begin to share the gospel with their family and their friends, and they lead, a handful of them, you have sown one seed that has produced much fruit. And so we see tonight that if there's a great encouragement to give because that gift that which we give, that we sow in that one avenue when God takes it. That's why the Bible said God gives the increase because if it was just me and you tonight, all we could reach is one person at one time, and that would be it. But when God allows me and you to reach one person, God can take that one person to reach multiples of people and multiple people can hear the gospel and multiple people can get saved and therefore that is how it works. That's why God gives the increase. And so I'd encourage you, now you, you, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, preacher, I would give, but it seems so insignificant. It seems so small. It seems like it's not going to make a difference. Can I encourage you to sow that which God has asked you to sow and that way you might reap the increase that he's promised to you. And so we see tonight, number one, the reality of sowing and reaping. But notice number two, real giving is done cheerfully. Real giving is done cheerfully. Look at verse number seven. Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Real giving is done cheerfully. Notice here, it's on a personal level tonight. Look at verse number seven. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, according to what the preacher told him according to the amount that somebody else told them to give. No, it is a personal, we have a personal relationship with God. And therefore, if you and I, on a personal level, go to God and say, God, how much would you have me to give? Lord, what would you want me to do? How would you want me to do it? If we're all different, we're all unique, then our answers, therefore, will be different. And so what God puts on your heart to give may not be the same amount as what God puts on somebody else's heart to give. Well, who's right, preacher? Those who obey the Lord. And so we see tonight that it is on a personal level. But notice this, cheerful giving is the kind of giving that God desires and God wants out of our life. God loveth a cheerful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. You say, well, preacher, I thought God loved the world. Well, he does. I thought, preacher, that God loves me and his love is eternal, it's everlasting. And so if I don't give out a cheerful heart, does God no longer love me? That's not what the verse is saying there. In essence, what the verse is saying is God loves it. In essence, God desires you and I to understand the reality of giving, the promise of giving, the prescription of giving, and when we understand that, we will give with a cheerful heart. Well, what is that, preacher? First of all, real giving is not done with an I don't want to attitude. Look at verse number seven. He says, every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. Not grudgingly. There's words that you just hear and you can almost just see the emotion behind them. I can see a man, his face is in a frown, he's, his arms are crossed and he's upset and he, you can just read his body language and there he is, he's just put his offering in the offering plate and he ain't happy about none of it, given grudgingly, right? It's not done with an I don't want to attitude. And here's the thing, I don't know where it came in, I don't know how it, it snuck into the church, but some people, that's their mentality. I don't want to, but I have to, and, I, and I'm going to, because I don't want so-and-so mad at me. I don't want God mad at me. I don't want, <laughs> I've heard it preached that if you don't give, you know, all four tires on your car, I'm gonna pop it one time, <laughs> Your refrigerator's gonna break down. Your ceiling's gonna fall in. The earth's gonna open up. <laughs> and God's fixing to swallow you up. if You don't give. Can I say tonight, let me ask you, all you parents in here. You're, you're, let's get real honest tonight, all right? Your kids ever got on your nerves? Amen. <laughs> hey Can I get a witness, amen? Though they got on your nerves. Did you quit feeding them dinner? Jordan shook his head, yes. (laughs) Amen. No, even when my kids are disobedient, even when my kids don't obey me, and there's that time of discipline, there's that time of correction, as their father, I still love them. And I still want the best for them. Now, those, those issues got to be dealt with correctly, but just because they give me an attitude or they sass me doesn't mean I pack up their bags and kick them out of the house at the age of eight years old, ten years old. And we work through those things, but I love them, and I continue to take care of them. Can I say tonight, God desires you and I to give. Not so that you and I can see how great we are, but how great he is. Now, whether or not you give does not, is not the requirement of whether or not God's going to love you. Why, why would God want us to give so we can see him be faithful, so we can see him take care of us? We were talking about at our house this afternoon had Jake and, Jacob and Kate, I about put made y'all a power couple, combined your name together. Jacob and Caitlin at our house and going over marriage stuff with them. And I told them, I said, our, our budget makes sense in our house, until you add our giving. Then it no longer makes sense. <laughs> oh, it makes nowhere near sense. And yet, here I am tonight, blessed by God, haven't missed a meal if you can't tell. God is taking care of us. But we see tonight, but I don't give with I-don't-want-to attitude. I don't go and get my tithes and my offerings and my faith promises and say, you know what, I really don't want to do this. Now, sometimes the devil, I mean, I'm the pastor and I'm the preacher, but sometimes the devil will say, boy, you know what you could do with that? You know how you could spend that? And it's not necessarily, it's not like he's like, hey, you know how much dope you could buy with that? You know how much fun you could have with your family with that? You know how much you could get ahead on your car payment with that? And yet, what do you do, Preacher. I remind them I've watched God be faithful. I've watched God take care of me, and so I don't give with I don't want to attitude. I give with I want to attitude. So we see that real giving is not done with I don't want to attitude, or it's not given with this attitude. I with I have to or else. Somebody says in verse number seven, every man so according as he purpose in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, or of necessity I have to, or else. And that's where that same line, you have to give or God is going to wipe you out. God's going to get his tithe from you. And I say tonight, God is not a mob boss tonight. I don't think he's standing outside them doors with a baseball bat ready to take your knees out if you don't give. But here's what he will say. You'll miss an opportunity to see me be faithful. you missed miss an opportunity to see me take care of you when it doesn't make sense. So giving isn't done with an I don't want to attitude. It's not done with an, I have to attitude. It is done with this I get to attitude. We have that saying around our house and I've used it in some of my sermons. I don't have to, but I get to. I didn't have to be here tonight. I didn't have to preach to you tonight. You didn't have to be here. That's the beauty of church. None of us have to be here. We get to. We get to be here. (laughs) I remember Miss Lauren Grant, our missionary to Purdue, Purdue, Peru, I think it was her that made that statement that she would not do anything special. Just what God had called her to do. And that she didn't have to go to Peru, but she got to go to Peru. She got to be what, and do what God had called her and wanted her to do. The same is true in your life. What you get to do may not look like what I get to do in, in, in specifics and in, in, in likeness, but you and I all get to do something for God, which is a big thing. Because the only thing that you and I really deserve is hell. Right? Deserve internal punishment, yet here is God, he saved us, but not only has he saved us, he said, hey, now you can serve me and you can do something great for me. You don't have to, but you get to. You get to. So the reality of sowing and reaping, you will sow what you reap, or you'll reap what you sow. Real giving is done cheerfully. Let me ask you, when you give, is it done out of a cheerful heart? Don't have a cheerful heart. If you come to a place where you're just, you are exuberant to give, not because you necessarily get to give more, but because of who you get to give it to. You get to give it to the Lord. Real giving is done cheerfully. The reality of sowing and reaping. But look at number three tonight. The reward for giving is amazing. The reward for giving is amazing. Look at verse number eight. And God is able to make some of His grace a little bit of it, almost all of it. It's not what the Bible says. It says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Realize that when you and I give God takes all of his, and I can't explain this in complete context and complete understanding tonight because there's multiples of us here tonight. There's more than one of us, and typically when you give all to one thing, you don't have anything else to give to nobody else. If I gave you all of my money, Miss Raylan, I wouldn't have no money to give to Silas, right? Because I gave it all to Miss Raylan. But I'm not God tonight. <laughs> and yet God can take all grace, abound it towards me, and at the same time take all grace and abound it towards you. Preacher, explain, I just did. God can take all of his grace and give it to one person and and then at the same time give all of his grace to another person. How can he do that? He's God tonight. He has all power. His ways are above our ways. And so when you and I give and when you and I obey God, he'll say I will literally turn all that I have towards you to ensure that you're taken care of the direction of all grace towards you. Notice this, when you and I give, notice there's a promise of sufficiency. Look at verse number eight again. And always having all sufficiency. There's some words in there that ought to remove any doubt in our life tonight. The word always. In essence, there's not going to be a time that he can't. He's always able to do those things. Can I say, as much as I try to be, there's gonna be times where I am unreachable. Where you'll call me and my phone will still be on silent and I'll completely miss it. I'll be somewhere that's out of service or uh, my phone will be dead or you won't be able to get in touch with me because I'm not always available. Might be busy. I can only deal with one person at one time. But here's God saying, if you give, God said I'll be faithful to always have all sufficiency. Not some sufficiency. Not just a little, but all, I will be sufficient for all your needs at all times. And so if God has put in your heart to give a certain amount towards faith promise, can I reassure you, not on my authority, not on my, even my experience, even though it lines up with the word of God, according to the word of God, if you and I give what God has instructed us to give, God said, I will take care of you all the time in every situation. Now, you may not have the luxuries of life, but you won't go without a meal. Can I say tonight that... When I began my journey in in faith promise giving, I did not start at the level that God has allowed me to give now. But it was through where God started me at to where God has allowed me to get. I've learned he is sufficient. He will take care of you. He will provide those things for you. But notice this tonight in verse number seven, or excuse me, verse number eight, it says always having all sufficiency that you may barely make it to every good work. You may almost have everything you need. He said, you may abound to every good work. That word abound means to go above and beyond. It is beyond expectation. It is beyond what you and I thought was possible. And there is God. When we give, God can take not only what we give and use it in a mighty way, but in our life show himself faithful that we abound in every good work. And I say tonight that when it's coming to serve God, I, I, I've, I'm living that, I'm learning that. And it's been a, quite an interesting process in my own life to learn and to watch God do those things. And God has taken me from a place, and, I, I, and I've shared the story when I became pastor. There was a time in my life prior to becoming pastor where I watched God be faithful in the small things in my life. Not necessarily the big needs, even though I don't think there's anything small with God, but what we would label as small things. Now watch God be faithful the, and watch God take care of us and provide things at exactly the right time. Now, it's not necessarily a Bible verse, but I firmly believe where God guides, he will provide, where God will take care of those things. I believe, I mean, I believe that's what we're talking about right here in verse number eight. And I've watched and I've just done my best to follow after God and to listen to God and, and be obedient to what God has told me to do, whether it was buying somebody's lunch or whether it was, was increasing our faith promise giving, whether it was increasing our tithe and our offering, I've, and I I've just, all right, Lord, that's what you want me to do? That is what I'm willing to do. And I've watched God take that, those small steps, and I've learned that in those small steps, God does take care of everything. If God cares about the handles that I have on my cabinets in my house, And God is making sure, making a way for for my family to have those things in our house. I have no reason to doubt him tonight that he's gonna take care of his church. He's gonna provide those things. And when you and I give, the first thing that Satan's gonna say is, you know, you know you can't make that. You know you can't do that by yourself. You know, if you give that, you won't be able to. And a lot of times we don't give out of the the fear of, of, of not God blessing. We get out of the fear of, well, what if we don't have that? And what if we don't get to experience that? What if we don't get to have that certain thing that everybody else has? Can I encourage you not to give out of, uh, or not, not to let that hinder you're giving, but rather give with this heart. Look what I get to invest in. Look what I get to be a part of. Look what I get to participate in. I get to help carry out the Great Commission. Not just in my Jerusalem, but in my Judea and my Samaria and my uttermost parts of the world. And God has allowed me to get in on something that doesn't just have physical returns now. It's a blessing to see the the, the men and the families that God has allowed us to support over the years. I think about the Vandenherk's in England who have started a church, and God is training families out of there to go out. And you think about the Cook family in Italy who's doing that. You got the, uh, the Kessler's in Bulgaria who are doing the same thing, starting multiple churches. Brother Ben in Albania who's doing a great work and other men there. You get to see those things, and you get to be a part of that. I meant to write it down, but I forgot to, and I, don't, I can't think of the verse off the top of my head tonight. But you think, well, preacher, I, I'm not there. I, I'm, just, I'm just giving a, a certain amount, a certain amount. But the Bible says that what we give to, and the fruit of that is, uh, is it redounded to our account? Or re, I, I don't think it's rebounded, but it's redounded. In essence, it's as if we were there. It's as if we were in the same place, and God gives us the same reward because we're invested in that. As well, So my encouragement tonight, I'm not going to beat you up over the head. I'm not going to grab you and put you in a corner and say, you better give or else. But I will encourage you to give. Because there is a reality when it comes to sowing and reaping. If you sow, God will bless. And when you sow into the economy of God, so to speak, it will always reap more than you sow. You can do it cheerfully. And you can see the rewards that come from real giving tonight. So I'm not going to beat you up tonight, but I would encourage you if you're not, or if you are, to increase and watch God be faithful in your life. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank.